And welcome to another fabulous episode of Retrovaniacs. As always, I'm Jeremy Parmentier here with Billy Holiday. Hello. And a slightly different sounding Jeremy Gregory. <laughs> hey, guys. Uh, Jeremy is calling from phone Skype, uh, so he's a little different than normal, but uh, he's had he's had quite the time since our last episode. But before we figure out what happened to him, before we talk about this week's game, Super Metroid, Billy, what have you been playing since our last episode? Well, I picked up that uh, I, I played a lot of this game. I would say out of all the episodes we've done, this is the most time I've poured into, into the game we were reviewing. But uh, other than that... I had uh, I picked up that Xbox the game Xbox the uh, the Game Pass, which is their version of the you know the PS Now, uh, pretty much like a digital library. You go in, there's a selection of games, and you know just play them as much as you want, as long as you're plunking down that money every month for it. Uh, I got a couple months of it pretty cheap. I decided to give it a shot, and uh, I mainly got it to play Sea of Thieves, which I. Uh, another one of those I had been anticipating and I had been kind of keeping up with and I was very excited about, hmm, oh, it's a pile. This thing can walk the fucking plank. It, it's it's a vast disappointment. Um, but besides that, there's a lot of good stuff on there too. So I, I've ended up not playing that and not sinking all my time into that like I thought I was. And I've revisited some 360 games, uh, Shadow Complex. Uh, I never played the the, uh, the remastered version of it that they did. I, I've been playing on it a little bit. Um, I'm trying out the, the last Tomb Raider game that came out. I'm playing on it a little bit here and there also. So I'm not, just right now, I'm just kind of just... I've got my hand in a in a few games at the moment, just uh, venturing around and just seeing what all they have in the library. I, I'm I'm hitting a uh, a point now where I'm gonna have to do a little thinking though. Now they just added Fallout Three, and I had owned all the DLC on the 360, so it's it's all there for me now. Uh, when I was playing Fallout Three, I decided that was one of the games I was going to 100%. Uh, and it's not often I decide I'm going to do this, but I uh, set out. I had one achievement left, and it was to collect these iron bars in one of the DLCs. And ah. I, I think, Jeremy, do you recall the frantic messages that, that I sent to you? I sent to several people while I was while I was trying to collect these bars because I got all of them except one. Yeah, glitch. It's it's a super and, common glitch. My and, my girlfriend at the time did the exact mm-hmm. same thing. Yes, and. Uh, and uh, so you got them all except one, and we found like that YouTube video, and it was like it's right here, and we went and is like, like no, it's not right there. It is, uh, it's right there, but apparently on my game, what is right there is a ceiling that you fall through, <laughs> and, and then then you're stuck, and then you have to reload your save. Um, so yeah, so now I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, do I want to plunk down and you know and and write something that's been wrong for so long now, and, and I'm thinking on it. And the fact that I'm going to be stuck at a, stuck in my place of employment for 24 hours on Wednesday, uh, is all signs are probably pointing to I am going to go for it. I barely ever want to 100% everything. Uh, the only thing I came close to doing that on was uh, recently was was Monster Hunter, and even mm-hmm. that I'm like, you know, some of these some of these like do 100. SOS rescues or whatever. I was like, I'm never going to do that. Uh, I don't know why I constantly lately been getting disconnected uh, in multiplayer on that. I don't know if it's my internet or if it's just Monster Hunter. Um, I also don't care too much because I'm I'm kind of burned out because I played so much of it. So of course mm. I wanted to play something totally different. 
uh, something completely unlike Monster Hunter World. So I'm playing uh, Monster Hunter uh, stories <laughs> on, on the 3DS, uh, which is absolutely nothing like Monster Hunter, to be fair. It's a lot more like Pokemon uh, or, uh, or I guess, Yo-Kai Watch. It looks like that. Mm. and it's uh, But it, it's in the world of Monster Hunter. It has all those Monster Hunter noises, and mm-hmm. I clearly have a problem. Uh, thankfully, I also was able to finally, because uh, this past Friday, the NES Classics are back in stores. I did fa- finally mm. get my hands on an NES Classic, and so I've been playing... Way too much of that and annoying my children who think I'm playing the worst games they've ever seen. Despite that they're great games. Uh, so I've been playing a lot of uh, of uh, Castlevania 2. I'm still a huge fan. I don't get why people don't like it. And I, a lot of Super C, which is nowhere near as good as Contra, but it's on the uh, NES Classic. So Jeremy, mm-hmm. what have you been doing since our last episode? Well, not much. <laughs> I, I, not much by choice. I... I... I not I I can't do anything. Uh, I broke my leg, mm. and so I I actually broke my leg out of state, trying to jump off of a retaining wall, <laughs> which to my credit. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> my apologies. Oh it man, was... you can tell if if you if you want to try to gauge the age of the host of the show, we're breaking our legs jumping off fucking retaining walls. It was it, it was only like a four foot tall retaining. Well, I've jumped off things way taller. I and I just landed wrong. I totally mm. landed wrong. I I hit the ground and I heard a pop in my right my oh. right leg, and I just went straight to the ground. I could not hold myself up, and so yeah, that's I, I've been laying on my back in a bed with a full leg cast on a splint actually. Uh, for the last week now, and I can't really do anything. I don't know if anybody that's listening to this has ever broken their leg, but uh, if you've got a full leg uh, splint on or cast or anything, it's really hard to function and just just do the normal things that you would you would think just playing a video game, sitting at the in, in a chair mm. across the room playing a, a game. It's it's not easy, man, because you've got to get up, you've got to try to not touch your leg to anything you got to keep it perfectly straight you got to somehow set something up so you can prop your leg up and it's it's a whole process and by the time i even get over to play anything i'm i'm just spent like i can't do it i'm i just like i want to go back to sleep so really the only thing that i've been able to play is the switch Mm -hmm. because i can hold that in front of my face and i don't have to move and so i actually got around to playing a lot more of super mario odyssey like I, mm. I bought it back when it came out and really mm-hmm. enjoyed it. And I just never really finished it. I, I got to a uh, new donk city and just kind of put it down. I, it was one of those things I was like, I'll get back to that. I'm having a really, really good time with that. And I just never did. So this kind of gave me an excuse to, to get back on there and play. And yeah, that game's really great. I don't know if I really talked about it much back when it came out, but God, that is a great Mario game. Uh, I, I absolutely love it. It's uh it's just fun to, to sit there and pick up and play for a while, you know, mm-hmm. find a few moons or something like that and put it down. Uh, in my case, you know, take a, an hour long nap or something. Uh, it's just, you know, it's, it's fun to just sit down and play every now and again. It's, uh, but yeah, I, I absolutely love that game. And that's really about all I've been playing <laughs> because uh, there's not much else I can do. Uh, so I, I, I apologize for everyone if I sound terrible on this podcast because I am on my phone through Skype because I can't sit at my desk or anything like that. 
so I'm going to try to stay a little quieter this time. So I'm not just destroying everyone's ears and they're just like, what is, what is this guy trying to say? Well, this episode is the, uh, the response to me picking a bunch of games that people chose <laughs> or people have decided <laughs> that I should never pick games again. So <sighs> after my, uh, my most recent pick of Alex Kidd and Miracle World for the Master System, <laughs> we're now going to cover a game that I can't imagine anyone really thinks is a bad game. Super Metroid for the Super Nintendo. Yeah, this was the one. This was the pick. Uh, you know, we had a bad taste in our mouth, a, a bad taste. And this is that fresh fucking glass of Coca-Cola we needed to wash that out. Something nice and crisp and refreshing for the summer. And yeah, going into this game, I, I played this one. It's on the, you know, the SNES Classic, uh, rightfully so. And it's, I mean, it's, uh, I think, widely considered to be one of the best super nintendo games and to be one of the best games on what is arguably one of the best systems is that's high praise and my memories are that it lived up to it so when i played through this time i uh i mean i usually play through a game and try to try to gauge what's good what's bad i, I knew this was going to be a solid game uh so i i tried to play through and tried to find like what little parts I may not have enjoyed or what parts are bad or as close to bad as you can get in this game. Uh, and that's kind of the perspective I went through in this one, trying to trying to just pick apart pieces here and there and seeing if I could really find that many negatives about it. And for me, this was like the, I, I think I rented this game probably close to a dozen times as a kid mm. and, and beat it almost just as many. It was, it's just, an all-time classic and i was never a metroid fan like when the original metroid came out in the nes i was maybe a little bit too young for it mm -hmm. I, I don't know it just seemed like a weird game the music was kind of scary and and i didn't understand it like it's it was a very open game and i was very much used to my stupid little platformers you go to to the right and you win the stage and this was very much go everywhere and and try mm -hmm. to figure out where you need to go and I just didn't get it, and I was never a big Metroid fan. So when Super Metroid came out, I kind of hesitantly rented it because I didn't know what to think about it. I, you know, I, I it was like a, a remake of, a, sort of a remake or whatever, or it took place out. I don't know, but I was just I, I didn't know what to think, and I rented it, and I was like, man, this is a this is an amazing game. Something about mm -hmm. it just clicked with me at that age, and I spent dozens and dozens of hours playing that game yeah and i was in the same boat i uh was not uh, i've gone on to, to absolutely love it was not a fan of the the original uh metroid on the nes i don't know if it's the same reason jeremy uh was saying at that point in time i was just kind of a you know screen goes left to right kind of guy or what um I really latched onto it when I borrowed my cousin's copy of uh, Metroid 2, which was on the Game Boy. 
uh, we were on a road trip and I, I borrowed that and, you know, I was stuck in the car and that was the only new game I had. So I, I played through it and, and really started to like it. So, yeah, I jumped right on this one uh, when it first came around. And I actually I played through the Game Boy version and this one. Uh, and it was a while before I went back. I just kind of I just hit me. Oh, there's a Nintendo game also. So, yeah, uh, this one is one. Oh, man, that, that's gotten several playthroughs. Up until the Wii U, I had actually never played Super Metroid. I'm a mm. massive fan of the original. I loved it. Um, but again, I, I think it's it definitely has some issues. And, and I have a lot mm-hmm. of things to compare Super Metroid to Metroid. Because I did play Metroid 2 on the Game Boy and finish that. And, uh, mm-hmm. and it's good. Uh, it's, it definitely improves on the first one. Uh, this is... Although this is more of like the here's the version of Metroid we should have made to start with story wise. Mm -hmm. It's definitely a a continuation of the first two stories. But, you know, this game goes back to the original areas. It's got a lot of callbacks to it and it 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 improves on the original in every way. And so after playing Mm -hmm. through, uh, you know, I did I started playing the original Metroid again fairly recently. uh, And then I started playing through this and it's it's neat to see all the different ways they made this better. Uh, And I, I mean, yeah, there's a couple things that probably aren't great, but generally this is if not the best game on the Super Nintendo, one of them. Uh, and it's definitely, it, I think it might be the best game in the entire Metroid franchise. Uh, if mm-hmm. not, it's, I don't know, maybe you really like Prime because you like first person more, but otherwise, I think Super Metroid is the best to contain the essence of Metroid. And that's the lamest oh, yeah. thing I've ever said, but it's totally true. <laughs> yes, uh, and I, I have to agree. Uh, all the the standard, you know, the Metroid games... Uh, yeah, I mean, this is it. This is the Metroid game. And I can tell you the appeal behind it that I've had uh, people over as I've been playing it that will sit down. And, and these are people that don't, you know, appreciate some of the older, you know, games looks wise and all. But this is something that still to this day, people just can't help but sit down and just watch. I don't know if it's the presentation of it. I mean, we'll talk about the graphics and the sound as we go along. Uh, there's just something special about this game. Uh, and it's. Yeah, when I think of Metroid, this is immediately what I think of. Uh, Prime games are all right. Other M, I liked it okay. Um, I think it might just be me. I may be the only Other M fan. But, yeah, this is this is the Metroid game, which I guess is why uh, this is the one we've picked out of the series to, to go over here. So I don't think you can really discuss Super Metroid without at least covering Metroid, so Mm -hmm. uh, I don't want to cover it a lot because that would be its own episode, but generally if you talk about a Metroid-style game, you're talking about a game where it's it's not quite open world, but it's a map that you could, in theory, go everywhere, except you don't have some of the abilities you need to get to those places, so Mm -hmm. an easy comparison is like, uh, there's parts in the first section of the original Metroid that you can't get to because you can't jump high enough. But you find the, the jumping boots and you can jump higher, you know, two rooms down the road, then you go back to the rooms you were in. You can now jump up higher and it opens up more of the map. And so the map starts as a small piece, grows and grows and grows as you get more abilities. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, you know, as you get to the end of the game and you've unlocked the entire map, you're much, much more powerful than you were at the beginning. But it's not just that you're getting stronger. I mean, you're getting other completely different abilities than you had at the beginning of the game. You can roll up into a little ball. You can spin while you're jumping and kind of make yourself float indefinitely if you time it right. I mean, mean, it really changes how the game plays and opens up that for you. I think that's the difference between that and just saying, like, an open world, you know, Mario 
later Mario game, you know, something where you can kind of go everywhere, but you can't because there's gates that have, you know, a certain mm-hmm. number of stars or something. This is nothing like that. This is just, if you don't have the item that you might not get for two hours down the road, you can't open this door right here. Uh, you know, it's the same idea, but it's it, it seems a lot more organic than than a video game. Oh, you need 17 keys, and now you can open this new door here. Yeah, I mean, I, I love the way they do it in here, the the system of kind of progression as you go along. Uh, because, I mean, there's just a, a massive sense of exploration. To the, I mean, the map on here, by today's standard, is, is you know, tiny. But uh, but in this game, it, it feels like a, a large, very large area. And yeah, like Jeremy P. said, they give you a, a good bit to explore. You don't feel like you're cramped in at any point. Uh, you feel like there's almost always something you can do, somewhere you can go. Uh, but yeah, you hit those points in the game where you kind of hit a kind of a soft wall, uh, and it's like, well, you're finding this thing that you can't jump over or that you can, a door you can't open uh, because you need a, another upgrade to be able to open this door. And then from that point on, the, the mission kind of goes from exploration to kind of focusing on, okay, where can I find this? And using your map screen to kind of pinpoint where the, the items are located and whatnot. And, and yeah, I like it. I like it more than uh, it's, it's a happy in-between from being extremely linear, but at the same time throwing you into a gigantic open world that you're not equipped to take on. Because by doing this and kind of spacing things out and putting it to where you have to find these items, you always find yourself entering these new areas uh, equipped to, to fight whatever is in there. I don't think any game has ever done progression better than Super Metroid. Mm-mm. No. Like, I, I, as much as I love Symphony of the Night, which, you know, has a similar progression as far as getting through the game, there's definitely parts in, in that game where it kind of feels sloppy. <laughs> or mm-hmm. forced or something like that mm-hmm. super metroid just feels organic from the very be- beginning like everything that you can do and and see is is very easy to to keep track of uh you mm-hmm. know there's definitely times later in the game where you're pulling up that map screen just kind of looking for a place where you haven't been mm-hmm. uh but for the most part like i never got lost in this game i never really you know it was always someplace i kn- knew i could go to mm-hmm. uh you know if i hit a wall i'd be like okay well this is the place i can go back to and and it's it just it's perfect with the way it does progression. It doesn't feel overwhelming. It doesn't feel too huge or anything like that. With the way a lot of games like this can feel, mm-hmm. uh, or too many locked doors or anything like that, it really does a good job of just letting you explore and and yeah. seeing where you can go. Yeah, and it's the progression system that makes it such a smooth thing. And it's also the map on here. This is one of my favorite maps, function wise. Uh, in, in any game, there's a lot of information on that map screen. You know, you have little dots that represent uh, where where items are, uh, where your save points are, uh, rooms that you have been in, rooms you have not been in yet. Uh, so for a big game like this, and I'll tell you one of the things I probably hated about the original, and one of the reasons as a kid that one didn't stick with me, uh, is there, this is a warning, there's some backtracking about 80% of this game is backtracking. Uh, you're going to traverse the same rooms many times over, especially if you're like me and you're just kind of wandering around uh, and just, just looking around, looking for secret areas. Uh, and that would get very frustrating if you didn't have such an accurate, you know, and, and informative map to go off of. Uh, at no point in time did I feel like I was just wandering around out in the middle of nowhere lost. You can pull that screen up and, and see, oh, I 
I remember this room and it's just, you know, one up and one over to the left to get there. Uh, I think that helps a lot uh, how well the, the map works on this game. The map is one of the huge benefits of this game yes. over the original Metroid. The original Metroid has mm-hmm. no map. I mean, mm-hmm. you have a paper map, or you could have the uh, official Nintendo Player's Guide that gave you most of yes. the map. But, yes. but if in-game, there is no map. And it's very, yeah, there is a lot of backtracking, and because it is, it was a Nintendo game, some of the areas don't look as descriptive as they should to make them really stand apart. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, it's, it's still not unintelligible. I've, I've finished the original, original Metroid plenty of times, uh, and as a kid, maybe I did have the, the official Nintendo Player's Guide, but even if not, I was used to at that time still having some sort of paper mapping system or, you know, notes for most games just because there wasn't a lot of built-in help. So for the time, I don't think it was necessarily uh, unintelligible, but if you'd only played Super Metroid and had never played the original Metroid and went back, you might mm-hmm. be a little overwhelmed by the lack of information it gives you uh, compared to Super Metroid. That, the map, it, it not only grows as you move, but in each area, there's a mapping station you can find that will build out that map it doesn't include everything. There's always a few hidden rooms here and there, but generally mm-hmm. it'll it'll get you from the point you need to be at to the point of the end of the you know point you're at now. I mean, to the point that you're trying to aim to is almost always on the map, so that, yeah. that you can find. So that it's it's incredibly helpful in that it does allow you to to really plan out where you're supposed to go a little bit better. Uh, and the other thing I wanted to say about um, the organic nature of how this game does progression, unlike um, you know you brought up Symphony of the Night, I would say uh, I know it's Almost every game could be broken down to a Metroid-like game, I guess. But um, Dark Souls has the same ability where it's like you can go anywhere, and and you can't may not be able to get through certain parts because you are missing items or keys. But in that game, it tells you you're going the wrong way by just destroying you. There's nothing in this game that will destroy you outside of bosses if you're in the wrong place. It doesn't let you get to those places. If if you're around fighting, you know, for example, there's different levels of. Um, space pirates but the hardest ones you can't possibly get to early it's not like you're going to accidentally mm-hmm. walk into a room and find a boss or find a uh, a person you can't fight and win even the bosses by the time you get to them unless you're trying to do a minimalist run you have whatever you need to fairly handily beat them once you know what to do and it, it, yeah it, and that's 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 one of the things that's that keeps the frustration down in this like this is a uh, and you would think otherwise uh, you would think this would kind of be a, a tense game you know, with the presentation of it uh, but no this is kind of a very stress-free relaxing game to play through and I, and I think that's part of the just how well it's laid out and like Jeremy P's saying how you walk into every room if you're able to access that room you're equipped to get through that room um, and that's that, yeah, that's something in in open world games today. Uh, you can end up in areas where there's no choice but to turn around because you don't have this. You're not strong enough to fight this. Now in this game, if if you've got the items to open that door, you most likely have the the very same item to to fight whatever is on the other side of it. And I don't think the game gets really challenging until like the last couple of areas that you're in. But by the time you get there, if you've done any exploration whatsoever, you should have more than enough life tanks uh, to get you through just about anything it throws at you mm-hmm. at that point. I mean, if that was stuff that you got to at the beginning of the game and you just had, you know, only like your original life tank, yes, that you would be in a, in a pretty challenging video game at that point. Yeah. Uh, but by the time you get there, you should be equipped to do, like you said, be equipped to do anything that the game throws at you. It's just a matter of using what you've got and making it through each screen. Mm hmm. 
speaking of the energy, I guess we should explain some of the, the basic mechanics in case somehow someone has never played a Metroid game. Uh, you start the game with uh, essentially 99 hit points. It's your energy. It, it does not, you don't get hit and you lose one point from anything. Everything does a fair amount of damage, 15, 20 points, uh, sometimes more. Uh, but you also, as you kill enemies, get a, a fair amount of health pickup recovery items. Uh, you can find energy tanks, uh, which Jeremy referred to in different parts of the dungeon, just like any other item you can pick up to upgrade your suit. And that gives you, you know, another 100 energy that you can see stack up. You can even, in this game, mm -hmm. have a series of backup tanks. So you could have, in theory, I think, 14 energy tanks. You can switch back and forth between two pools of seven. Uh, I did not get that many on this playthrough, but I know it is possible. Um, so it, it's, you know, it's, it's another idea of where you're making yourself stronger throughout the game, but it's not necessarily you know, getting you 47 widgets to collect. It's, it's, these are all things mm. you don't need. You could, in theory, beat the game with one health tank. It's, uh, I'm sure someone's done it. I'm not going to, but, but it can be done. You can choose to skip all of those items, uh, along with, with finding health items to, to uh, refill your health and, and give you the new tanks. Uh, one of the other more common things you'll find is missiles. Uh, each time you find a missile item, like, hidden in a room, that gives you five more missiles to your total missile... Uh, Payload, I guess. How many missiles you can hold at once? That's the wrong term, mm -hmm. but I'm going with it. And uh, the, as you kill monsters along with getting extra health, they also will drop missile pickups once you have found missiles to refill your missiles. There's also, uh, in in the, the map areas, if you can find them, some rooms will have like a health fill um, stand or a missile fill stand that you can find. Mm -hmm. Those are very infrequent. The missile fill, I think there might only be one or two in the entire dungeon. The, uh, the health fills up are... are much more frequently found. And then there's also, unlike the original Metroid, a fair amount of save rooms. Save rooms do not just allow you to stop for the day and come back later. The most important part is when you die, and you probably will, even though this game is not incredibly tough outside of some bosses, um, once you do die, you get to go back to the last save point. So unlike the original Metroid, where if you died, you went back to the last elevator, which sometimes, especially for boss fights, meant maybe 20 minutes of your time and some very difficult rooms to get to a boss fight, die in one hit, and go back 20 minutes. Uh, most of these are not that bad. There are a few sections that still have, I don't want to call it an issue, that's just how these games are built, but there's, there's a few places where that still comes up in this game, but not as bad as the original by any means. So Super Metroid itself actually is the first one of these games, I think, that really gives a good story. I mean, the other mm -hmm. games have stories and have backgrounds, but without a manual, you don't know what they are. Uh, this game, I mean, it starts with like a little cinematic kind of thing. It explains the first two games' story. Uh, this does take place after the first two Metroid games. So all you need to know is told to you at the very beginning. Uh, of the game. Basically, the first Metroid was uh, fighting Mother Brain and her space pirates and stopping them because they had found Metroids and were using them as weapons. Metroids are these uh, the, these half-circle-looking jellyfish-like enemies that suck energy out of everything and turn them into to stone husks. They're, they're incredibly dangerous, uh, and they've been used as a weapon by these space pirates. So you stop them in the first game. Uh, the second game, I think you found out the space pirates are trying again on the Metroid homeworld, and you go back there to destroy all the Metroids, uh, but I think one is saved at the end. You save the last one to take back to the uh, Space Federation, who you are are a bounty hunter for, and uh, to let them, you know, research the, the the Metroids. Metroid Three starts with you go to the Space Federation homeworld, I believe, and 
someone's attacking the last Metroid that's been saved, and your job is to go and, and get it back. And so it has like an actual mm-hmm. story you get to play in-game to know why you're there, what you're doing. Uh, and it, made, it really pulled me in, even though it was, you know, kind of basic compared to what you'd see on PS4. But it was still really cool to see that, that little intro section. Yeah, that was and, actually and like super creepy back when I mm-hmm. first... You know, there's like dead bodies laying around the space station. You know, the music's super, super ominous. It's dark. You know, it's it's really kind of messed up when, you know, the first time you go through there, it's uh, kind of a surprise, uh, especially for Nintendo to to take that kind of dark yeah. tone for one of their games. I know Metroid's always kind of been a, a dark kind of sci-fi game, but to actually see it on the Super Nintendo mm-hmm. was like, oh, man, hey, Nintendo's not pulling any punches here. Yeah, I mean, this this game has always been unique. That it's just it's just a dark game most uh, for the most part. There, it's it's completely void of humor. You know, Mario has got the, <clears throat> you know, you've got your humor littered throughout it, and even Zelda, you know, takes time to have a joke or two in it. But this one is it's serious business in this game, and yeah, the the graphics in it. I, I mean, it's sixteen bit. I mean, it's not going to hold up like Jeremy P said to what you see now, but it's beautiful game for the super nintendo and still ah, the soundtrack for this thing uh just that just that opening theme when that kicks in uh it's one of the better soundtracks of any game i've, I've played both both then and now but but a uh, a small correction because i think if you would ask a lot of people uh they would inform you jeremy p that metroid is not the name of that little alien metroid is the name of the character you play as that, that is not correct. <laughs> Hold on. I may make that's a lot what, of that's mistakes. That's I've heard. But that is not. People. Just because they don't play any video games doesn't mean they're incorrect. Okay, well, I, for the first time, was not wrong. That is, that is in fact, the name of those creatures. <laughs> uh, you're Samus. I'm, and uh, Or Samus, yeah. I don't remember. You're a bounty hunter. But uh, uh, I do want to say, I didn't mean this game doesn't look good. I think even for... Oh, no. I mean, if this was a retro throwback title today, I'd think it was a beautiful-looking retro throwback title. I think it's a great-looking game. I just meant the the cinematics, while you know, I was impressed with them for being there, you know, now would be yes. a full-on movie. 20 minutes of watching some shit oh, I'd yeah. do nothing but push a button occasionally for. This, this like, it throws you right in the start of the story. There's only a little bit to read, and then you're right in. Uh, you know, it was mm-hmm. good. I, I just, I didn't mean it, it didn't look good. This game is beautiful. It is. It, it's, see, that's the problem. I when's the last time we had this i'm sitting here and going into this i was like well what can we do what am i going to shit on it's hard it's it's hard to launch any complaints about this thing uh so it does so much right uh the graphics the sound the control i can't say that much bad about the control um jumps when you get the high jump it, I, it can be a little floaty for me um and but that, everything Everything is just tight in this game, and and it's just a shame there aren't more games like this. I mean, just imagine they could do this on the Super Nintendo. I wish they would do kind of a, a proper Metroid in this style now. Um, but, uh, yeah, and the selection of weapons on here, I was thrilled because I didn't remember half of these. Uh, and every time you get one, there's a sense of just wanting to go out and try it out. And, and see what all you can do with it. I stuck around last one of my last playthroughs. I completely forgot where the the grapple the grapple beam is, which was one of my favorite items uh, from the game. And I and I just spent forever just trying to hunt that grapple beam down. And and there's just an incredible sense of fun just by getting this grappling beam. Which there are certain blocks you can see that you can can hook with this, and then then you swing on there like a vine. 
uh, and, and use that to traverse a lot of areas you otherwise um, aren't able to get across. And it's just incredibly fun every time you get a new item on here, just taking it out there uh, and, and just taking it for a spin. Yeah, the different power-ups and pickups in this are, are pretty amazing. I don't remember the order I got everything in. I tried keeping notes of that, but I ended up just enjoying playing, so I didn't want to do that. Mm -hmm. But So well, you, you start the game with one basic sh uh, you know, basic shooting beam uh, that, that shoots across the screen, looks like a little pellet, hurts things, great. Um, you get missiles, which are much more powerful, but you have a very limited number. You have a limited of your standard shots. Uh, you get uh, a super missile, which does a lot more damage than regular missiles, but they're a lot harder to find. Uh, you get to turn yourself into a ball, which is just like all the other Metroids, and, and drop bombs, which is also like the other Metroids. But you do get a super bomb, which is kind of like a destroy everything on the screen. Uh, the other mm -hmm. thing I really like about this uh, is that when you use a super bomb or if you hit certain areas with missiles or, or whatever, if it's not the right thing to destroy a wall, but it is a destroyable wall, because there's a lot of these where it's, you know, you hit the ball with a bomb and it opens up for you. You know, you, in the earlier Metroid, you had to actually try it and it would work or it wouldn't work. In this game, if you try the wrong item, but it's one of the things other than a standard shot, it will show you what item you need. So if you hit the ball with mm -hmm. a, if you hit a wall with a regular missile, but it needs a super missile, the the wall breaks away a little bit, and then it shows you the like a picture of the super missile. So it kind of helps you determine what you need to do uh, to get through certain walls. That's that's much nicer than the original. Uh, later mm -hmm. on, uh, along with the grapple beam you talked about, you get a like an X-ray beam that will show you all of those hidden spots. That mm -hmm. is wonderful. And when I, I when I got it the first time, I was like, yeah, yeah, that's great. I'm never going to use this. Uh, if you're really trying to find things, if you're trying to find extra pickups and how to get all the the extra things, you're going to use it constantly. I, every room I walked into, I started with that thing uh, highlighted, and I would use the X-ray every every chance I did this time. I, I remember before thinking it was the dumbest item ever, and I, I've totally gone a uh, 180 degrees on that. It's the best item in the game. Mm -hmm. uh, you also I think get that's one of the things like the game just does so well, even without the X-ray goggles, is just telegraphing what you need to progress. I mean, we talked about the regression and everything like that. It, it, you know, it doesn't need to show you those icons. You know, it could just leave you hanging just like just about any, any game back then would. Uh, but it, you know, it does show you what, what you need to get. And then when you do get it, it, like Billy said, there's an excitement of being able to go back and being like, Oh man, I can actually use this now. And you know, it, it makes you want to backtrack as much as what I, you know, I, never really played the original metroid much but i know like backtracking isn't so great in that game but i never really had a problem backtracking in super metroid because i knew that there was probably going to be something new to find with these items that i had got or mm -hmm. uh, received since i'd been back in those original parts of the map that it was just fun to go back and be like oh man here's all of this other stuff that i can get now there's not as much backtracking in this as the original Metroid. Uh, the, the backtracking in this generally, uh, outside of the, you know, a little bit of backtracking in the same general area you're in, you don't have to do unless you're really hunting something down or going to a, to find a whole new giant area that you might not have been able to get to earlier. But it's not a lot of backtracking. Like, you don't go all the way to the, you know, right side of the whole world to get a key, to go all the way to the left side of the world to open a door that gives you an item you need to go all the way back to the right for. That, that doesn't really happen in this. The original Metroid had a lot more of that. But you can go back to all the areas you've been in in this game, except for the, the starting area, um, uh, you know, the, the pre-story the pre area, uh, and, and just explore and go and find everything you can. I mean, almost every room, uh, every section has things you, you couldn't get to before. Maybe you didn't even know you, you could use certain items there. You know, you wouldn't even know about super bombs until you found them. And then you're like, mm -hmm. oh, look at this. I can shoot all the, you know, blow up all these walls I didn't know about before. Um, the 
the uh, the other thing with this is again because of those save spots and because of the map and because of the x-ray and things it it telegraphs what you need to do it doesn't have to as badly as it does but i am glad that it does because i think it's still not it's not a hard game but it's not incredibly easy and there were still parts where even though i've played most of this game uh the last time i played through this i got to uh ridley and didn't get past ridley but that was the only of the major four bosses I had to fight left that I, I didn't finish. So I had played most of the game. But there were still parts playing through this time where I was kind of like, what do I do again? Where am I supposed to go? I couldn't figure out where to find certain items. And I did. I didn't have to look up anything. I, I was able to kind of go back and, and because of the map and the save spots and everything else, figure out what to do next. But it, it tells you what to do without saying too, too much. And I, I think it's it's almost the perfect amount of telling you where to go. So like I just mentioned, there are there's a bunch of mini-bosses in this game and a bunch of encounters you have to go through. But there's really only four major bosses and the final boss. Uh, and you know that because in the first area you get to, um, you can find the doorway to the last area, but it's blocked. And there's a statue that has four bosses on it uh, that have four different colored eyes. And as you beat those bosses, if you go back to this room, it shows you their eyes go out. And you know once you destroy all four, you can get access to the last area. So there's really only... I, I, I know there's a lot more than four quote bosses but there's really only four that are key bosses i you know i I don't know how else to describe that so i call them bosses i call the others mini bosses but Mm -hmm. i think there was a very interesting breakdown of bosses and mini bosses in this game it's not all you know the original metroid had two you had ridley and you had craid and they were both not incredibly hard you got missiles you shot them a bunch of missiles and you ran out of the room uh, you know, I mean, they were difficult for the time, but that game is so much simpler than this that, you know, it's just dodging attacks and shooting with missiles. That's all you could really do. And this game has bosses that, you know, some of them do, you don't have to even technically, I mean, you have to attack them, but they don't have hit points. Uh, there, there's a boss that Billy had mentioned to me earlier, uh, where you basically just have to kind of do a, a, a push him backwards by hitting with certain items at mm-hmm. certain times till he falls into a big pit of lava. That's really cool. I mean, there, there's a yes. lot of really interesting bosses in this game. And again, once you get to one, you probably have what you need to defeat them. Now, they, I guess the, the, the check there is your missiles are finite. You only have so many missiles, super missiles, super bombs. And you should be refilling them. If you're stopping and fighting things and the game gives you places where things kind of respawn endlessly when you need them to, to refill these things. But if you're not patient or if you don't realize there's a boss in the next room for some reason and you are just shit out of missiles, you might find a place where you don't have what you need, but that's only your own fault for not being prepared. Not a matter of the game not giving you the item you need. Oh, yeah. As a general rule, I tried to keep everything topped off. And, and like you're saying, there are like these little pipes and, and an enemy that will constantly come out of there. And and that's essentially what they're made for. It's just to, to restock everything because if you if you kill one and it leaves uh, a item or a power-up, another one doesn't come until you pick that up. So, I mean, you can position yourself there, and, and, and it's not even like a grind. Uh, spend a good 30 seconds, and you can more than likely, you know, top off your health, uh, fill up the missiles, probably get some of the super missiles at the same time. Uh, it, it's not really, uh, I think, uh, gives you a bad, <laughs> it gives me a bad image when I think, uh, oh man, uh, you know, I've got to collect 40 missiles. I need to top off, you know, 300 points of health. Uh, you know, most games that is going to be, that's going to be a session in its own right. Uh, but this game, it's very generous in giving you these, these constantly respawning enemies um, that just allow you to just, it's, it's once again, uh, the game is, always does a good job of keeping you 
prepared. And the only way you're going to come up short when you get to a boss fight is if, if you just uh, you don't even really have to conserve in this game because because there's no there's nothing you're going to run out of and there's no more of it anywhere to be had. Um, but if, if you just keep an eye on your health, you keep an eye on your your items at the top, uh, how many ro- uh, bombs you have, how many of the missiles you have, you're going to be fine. And you're going to go in the boss fight with uh, usually with more than enough. And I will say like this, the bosses in this game, the main bosses are really something to look at. Mm-hmm. You know, if it wasn't for the last boss, I would almost say that the game started off with a showstopper with crate mm-hmm. i mean that was definitely one of those uh, oh shit moments as a kid you know when you first get in that room with him and he comes up from the grind he's huge already and you hit him a few times and the ceiling comes down and he just he just turns into this huge multi-screen boss mm-hmm. uh, just amazing what they what they were able to do with, with some of these bosses i mean he's not very hard obviously but uh, it's just one of those things that it was uh they really went out of their way to make some of these bosses just staggering for for what uh, for like what a, a lot of these games usually had in them. Well, at least in the case of Kraid too, what I liked is, and again, you didn't play a lot of Metroid, so maybe this didn't hit the same buttons for you, and maybe it only hit those buttons for me and no one else on Earth. But on the way to fight Kraid, you find what looks a lot like the original Kraid from the original Metroid. I mean, he's all dressed up for 16-bit. But it's he, the original Kraid was basically a little bit fatter than your character and about the same size, and he just shot missiles at you, uh, and you jumped over them and shot him with missiles, and he would die, right? So there's a guy in this that looks exactly like that that's in the hallway on the way to Kraid. So I thought when I got to him, I was like, yep, there's Kraid, and I blew him up. And then you open the door, and there's this two-screen-high multi-phase Kraid, <laughs> and you're like, oh, wow, okay, I see. I'm an idiot. It it was pretty awesome to see the, the first real of the first four of the four main bosses crate is definitely uh, a nice introduction to yeah this isn't the old metroid this is taking everything you already know and and building on it and and you're going to love every second of it and crate was great like that um the other four main bosses are uh, inside the wrecked ship there's a ghost boss called fantoon uh i had a hard time with this boss only because i got to it and i did not have a full rack of my items like i didn't i didn't save with a full you know, set of missiles and super missiles. I had the items in theory. I just didn't actually have them on me. And that's where I realized, oh, there's parts where I have to make sure I'm full all the time. Uh, and, and there are places to do it there. But that's the ship is one of the places where there are not one of those, you know, endless spawning uh, sections. You have to kind of go into rooms and clear them back and forth. That's not as much fun at all. Uh, I did do that. Uh, but I probably spent 15 to 20 minutes refilling my missiles and made sure I saved after that, so I wouldn't have to do that again. Uh, but he's the—he's another one of the bosses. Uh, he vanishes and then will, you know, shoot missiles around the, shoot fire down from the ceiling and shoot beams at you. And then he comes visible. You can shoot him with a bunch of missiles. Not—not not incredibly inventive, but the fact that he's invisible and has multiple different phases was pretty cool. I thought he was the worst boss in the whole game, to me anyway. Hardest or least interesting? Both. Yeah, it, it, I, I didn't enjoy fighting him, and I just I got tired of fighting him because of his, he, you know, he it's it's random when he comes back from his invisibility or whatever, and I've I've never been a, a big fan of bosses that do that, so I and just that whole area probably my least favorite of the of the whole game, but yeah, that boss was just kind of a icing on the cake. We're just like I I did not enjoy that one. 
I didn't mind the wrecked ship area. I, I liked it because it was definitely its own separate spot. You know, it wasn't. It didn't look like everything else. It was. It was interesting because you come onto the ship and there is no power, and there are these ghosts everywhere. And then after you beat Fantoon, power comes back on the ship, and you can access new areas. And those ghosts go away, and it comes a kind of a completely different area, even though it looks exactly the same. You know what I mean? Like it's. It builds off of what that area already is, and and. It's small enough and self-contained. I, I didn't mind it. But, yeah, the boss himself was probably my least favorite boss. Um, a boss I hate. And up until now, I think maybe the hardest boss in the game for me. Uh, I mean, I had a hard time with Ridley before, but that was... I don't know why. I didn't have a problem with him this time. But Dragon is... he He's like a giant lizard that flies back and forth when you're underwater. Like a giant like shrimp lizard. I don't even know what he's supposed to be. And... He shoots um, these these bubble things at you, and if they hit you, they, they gum you up, and he swallows you up into the ceiling and will start stabbing you with his tail. I hate that boss. He's really, really hard. He takes a lot of missiles to take down. I didn't realize there was a cheap way to beat him. I don't know if you guys knew that. I did not. I never had like too, too much of a problem with him, but my biggest thing was that it was just kind of tedious to, to take him down. Um, yeah, I... I yeah, I'd probably put him as as my second least favorite boss uh, b- behind Fantoon. It's, it's just more of like I've never been a big fan of being underwater doing things like that. And it, yeah, it's just kind of annoying getting gummed up like that with the bubbles and stuff he throws out. Well, it's it's hard to dodge the bubbles and the rest. I mean, you can shoot the bubbles, and that's how they'll get you missile refills and health refills. But mm-hmm. the whole time he's also running at you, and if you miss one, that's over. He'll grab you. He puts you to the ceiling. Yeah. He does a lot of damage. But did you guys know the cheap way to defeat him? I didn't know this. I no, surely I... did. I surely did not. I preferred the method in which I cursed at the screen as I ran out of missiles, but several times over. So the room that you fight Dragon in has those four gun emplacement things on the wall that will shoot a beam mm-hmm. at you every once in a while. Now, you can destroy those with missiles. But if you realize after you destroy them with missiles, they leave, like, it looks like an energy beam that's between where the gun used to be. If you get grabbed by him and let him pull you, eventually he'll, like, do circles with you and kind of swim up in the air and do circles. He'll go close enough where you can grab those with your grapple gun, and that will cause him and you to get shocked, doing uh, over 100 damage to you, but instantly killing him. Oh, yeah, I didn't know that. So after I had enough problems with him this time where I was like, I don't understand why I'm not. I I mean, I hate this guy. I must be doing something wrong. And it it was like, well, why don't you just do this? I'm like, that can't be possibly true. And it is. You can beat him in like 30 seconds with that method. Let him grab you immediately. Take him up to the top. Use your grapple on on an energy beam and bam, you're done. So uh, with that said, I still hate that boss, but I do like that he had that. And it's it's one of those like once I did it, it wasn't like it wasn't obvious. I just didn't think of it. I mean, it it mm-hmm. clearly leaves a giant electronic spark area after you shoot the guns out. And why wouldn't I have thought of that? You're underwater. It's an electric spark. I mean, it, it makes total sense. But for some reason, I never I never even thought to do it uh, until I was told to do it. And then I, I one shot dead. Perfect. No, didn't even didn't even cross my mind. I never heard of that i mean i've never really looked too much myself but yeah i've never heard of that so after you beat dragon you get the ability to um space jump which is you you jump over and over again uh in the air as long as you're spinning when you jump uh you can continuously hit if you hit the button jump over and over again that lets you get to the last uh, of the four 
major bosses until the end, uh, which is Ridley, who was the original in the original game like Kraid was. He is oh, in almost geez. every Metroid game. He's always very difficult after the first Metroid. And in this game, this was my previous stopping point. I could not fight him and win. He does a lot of damage. He constantly moves around. He has the ability to have extra phases. Uh, and, and he takes a lot of missiles. A lot. I mean, even I had 100 and something missiles and, and I think 25 super missiles this time, and I used up every single one of them to finally take him down. And uh, he's... I think he's a lot harder than the last boss. I think he was way harder than, than anything else in the game. Uh, but I also don't think he's incredibly cheap. Like, I think... I didn't like fighting Fantoon and Dragon because I thought they just took forever, but it wasn't enjoyable. I actually like the Ridley fight. It's just tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's this is the challenge of the game right here. And, and it's not because, like you're saying, any cheap mechanics or anything on his part. It's just it's a tough fight. And you just have to most likely not make it your first time through. Uh, but but just keep going and you just learn a little bit here and there. You get a little bit better and, and eventually you'll take him down. Uh, but I can't, I can't say any of the boss fights in this game were cheap, uh, but which is, which is strange because usually most games I can pinpoint some, some shitty, shitty hands you get dealt. Uh, he's, he's just your regular, just challenging boss. And I, and I did recognize him. He's that character that everybody wanted in smash brothers for no good fucking reason. Uh, <laughs> Uh, other than people heard other people whining about how they wanted him in Smash Brothers for no good fucking reason. So that's him. Um, anyway, that's... I think that's a rant for me when I'm alone in my car uh, driving to work <laughs> for, for like 20 minutes one morning um, about people wanting stuff that they really have no reasoning behind. But in the context of this game, uh, it's it's a hard fight, but it's not at any point in time a... a a slog. It's not a. It's not an annoying fight, like Jeremy was saying. It's not a. You don't get tired of fighting him at any point. Uh, it, it grabs you, and you're you're in this fight, and it's it's a pretty intense back and forth, uh, and it's it's but it's a rewarding one once you get him. Yeah, this is it. It goes fast. I mean, Ridley doesn't fuck around. He is all over the screen. You know, he's pushing you around. He's he he can do a lot of stuff, and mm-hmm. you just have to put on your your nes britches and remember you just do some memorization and Mm -hmm. that's really the only way you can beat him and you're right it is the hardest boss in the entire game there's you you do get more more game after ridley but this is where the challenge spike goes Mm -hmm. all the way to the roof and as for this game anyway and and you know if you beat ridley then congratulations you you beat the hardest part of super metroid yes yeah, after after you beat Ridley, and and I think there's no way to beat him before the other three. So assuming you've beaten all four of the the main bosses to get to the last area, you go back to that statue. It sinks into the water, and you have a new door open up at the bottom, a new a new um, elevator area that takes you to the very last section of the game, which is supposed to be the last section of the original Metroid as well. A lot of this game, it's on the original Metro, the planet you were at in the original Metroid of uh, of ZB's, I think, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this is this is the major callback because it's the same. The, the the last boss of this game is Mother Brain, and the last room uh, of the game is the exact same sort of room that you were at in the mm-hmm. original, end of the original Metroid. There's all these little um, little jo- they're not jars, but they're like little containers that have 
you know, an organic wall. You have to keep shooting it with missiles to break down the organic wall. Once you do enough damage, it goes away. There's a series of those, and then you fight a giant brain in a jar. That it, The brain itself doesn't do anything, it, but all the missiles and things around the room are firing at you while you try to shoot this jar a bunch. And then you, you, you kill the brain, and it's just like the original Metroid. You're like, all right, I finished this game. And, of course, no, that can't be the case because this is Super Metroid. The brain, uh, mother brain sinks to the ground. All of a sudden, it has a second form that looks kind of goofy, to be honest. Uh, but... But it's a, a another form on, on Super Metroid. Not a hard boss at all after you finished, um, you know, Ridley earlier. But it is a boss that has... So, on the way to this boss, there's a, uh, a scripted event you can't get around where a giant Metroid takes you down to one hit point. It does a lot yeah. of damage to some stuff, takes you down to one hit point. And then you find a, a, a health station and a safe space, and you can go the rest of the way to, the, uh, to fight Mother Brain. The... After you do enough damage to Mother Brain, there's no way to avoid this. She does this super beam thing that guaranteed does like 300 damage to you. And the first time I got to it, I didn't have 300 damage left, so it instantly killed me. So mm. I thought I was trying to figure out how to skip this thing. And, and I, I probably died to it two or three more times before I finally you know, did enough damage to get to that point without having that much gone. And then I realized as soon as she hits you with that, if you're l- alive at all after that... There's another scripted event that basically turns you into in, you know superhuman Stamus, and you have no way to really lose, as far as I can tell. Unless I, I guess you could probably just sit still and lose, but otherwise, you know, it gives you a super beam, it fills your life up, and you know that same Metroid that you you saved at the end of Metroid Two comes and and stops, gives you superpowers while, while draining Mother Brain of her powers or something. And and it's a cool little scene, but. It, I don't like the fact that there's that 300 damage gate to get to it. Like, uh, you know, I did find fighting Mother Brain. I got really far with that. I felt really good. But the fact that, you know, I wish it would have, like, shown me damage numbers or something instead of just instantly killing me down. So I would have known, like, okay, it, it does 300 damage. I took 295 because that's all I had left. At least I needed to get more health. If I wouldn't have had, you know, if, if it would have been for anything other than finishing this podcast in time, I may have just given up for a bit and come back another time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But that said, it's still not it. That, that's a that's a minor gripe. Um, and then, much like in the original Metroid, again, after you defeat Mother Brain, uh, apparently she's what's keeping this base together and alive. So you have a short time limit to escape the base, get back to your ship that's on the surface, and fly away to set to end the game. Uh, there, there's a lot of hidden little things we can get into, but generally, you know that that is the the gameplay of Super Metroid, the progression of the game. Uh, when you finish, it shows you what your com- what your collection percentage was and how long it took you. Uh, I got 55% completion, uh, and, and that was not trying too hard to scour through everything. Apparently, you can beat the game with something like a 20% completion rate, which I, I can't mm. imagine. I mean, I guess you try to skip missiles and things, but, but you'd have to get the major suit upgrades or you can't get to the other parts of the dungeon. Um, the, the things I would say are complaints about the game, I guess. Instead of, instead of you know, really discussing all the hidden things because there's there's a good number of hidden things uh two of those hidden things are part of what i'm about to complain about there are sections of the map that are all optional where you can find like these little alien helpers uh Mm -hmm. there's two of them actually i didn't even find the second one but the first one are these three little guys that jump on the wall and they show you how to do the wall jump uh to which allows Samus, and I don't think you have to have this down to beat the game. I don't think there's any sections that require it necessarily, but it definitely makes your life a hell of a lot easier. You don't have to use the freeze beam to jump on things constantly. Uh, but basically, you, you you jump against the wall, you push back, and 
your your character will do this like this little leap animation, and if you can time the button press just right, you'll jump off that wall and go to the you know a, across to most likely another wall where you're going to do that and go back and forth and back and forth. Absolutely hate that move. I don't like it. I've never liked it. I got better at it this time, but uh, it is one of those things where, especially for me at least, it's like if I needed to jump four times like that to get to the top, the first three always work and the fourth one doesn't every single time, and it's infuriating. Oh, I am piss poor at the wall jump on here. This is no Mario game with the wall jump. Um, yeah, I can get one, and it's just because it's more than just tapping the jump button at the right time. You have to hit the direction you're wanting to jump towards and the jump button right about the same time. And it's, you got to be right on it. And, and I'm sure not everyone else had as much trouble as I did with this. I'm sure there's people that can perfectly wall jump all fucking day if they want to. But I just had trouble chaining, you know, more than two or three of these together. Um, and when you first learn about it, yeah, you've got a nail. I think it's three maybe to get to get to the top of the the area where uh, you need to get to. And that took me a while. And I'm just poor at it and was starting to worry that there was going to be a, a crucial time in the game where I was going to unleash that wall jump. But I, I don't really think it comes uh, into play again as far as I know. But yeah, that is that's that's definitely a gripe. I think. Really, one of my only kind of things that irked me a little bit playing is when you use your bombs, uh, you know, when you roll up in the ball to use the bomb or the super bomb to to clear out areas. If you leave and come back, that area has been filled in. Whatever holes you you unearthed in the floor or the wall. I I just feel like it would have been nice if once you blew up a, a hidden area that it stayed open. Uh, it, it would get a little tedious if you're going back and forth and you're having to have to traverse through an area where you have to blow up the wall that, you know, you have to go through all that again. And, and once again, I, that's that is me finding whatever I could to, to toss in as far as just just small complaints here and there. But that's all I could work up is just a maybe a minor complaint or two. Otherwise, damn. Uh, I think my only other problem is after the Captain N cartoon, I just can't take Mother Brain as much of a threat. Uh, <laughs> she, she just, I, I don't know. There's nothing, there's nothing scary about her anymore. I watched too much Captain N when I was a kid. You can't awaken the princess, you fool! Mother Brain? But you said all we had to do was kiss her. Yes, wasn't that romantic? I lied, of course. Well, the only other, the, the other move you find from the helper aliens is the and i again i didn't find this alien so i'm not even sure where it is but if you mm-hmm. when once you get the super speed running ability where you can break through walls once you run far enough you'll you'll flash when you start that ability and apparently you can when you're flashing you can push down and you'll save up energy and then you can push the jump button and you'll jump like super high in the air and mm-hmm. there's a bird that teaches you that it looks like a bird i don't know what it's supposed to be an alien obviously uh i, I don't know where that is that that move is not hard uh, but I, that's one again. I, since I didn't find the bird, I didn't even know you could do it. I found it out by accident when I hit down and and I started flashing and I was trying to figure out what it did. Uh, so that that was kind of a neat surprise. But um, you know that that's not necessary to beat the game. And even the wall jump, you don't need to beat the game. It helps you get to some areas yeah. early. It helps you find a lot of hidden items. Uh, there's some you can only get to by that that wall jump or the um, whatever that super jump thing I just described was. Um, so th- those aren't again. That's not a complaint. I think those are both really cool. Um, I, I think the the 
powered up jump is way, way easier to do than than the wall jump. The wall jump's just super frustrating to get the timing down. And again, it doesn't even say like they don't talk to you when you find them to tell you what to do. You just see them bouncing off the wall and you're like, whoa, that's Mm -hmm. great. But you can't get out of the pit you're in until you figure out, oh, I know this is a special move I can learn. And it's incredibly difficult and incredibly frustrating uh, to get out of this pit to get back to the rest of the game. Uh, The there are increasingly strong space pirates you run into and they aren't generally very hard sometimes they you know you need a certain beam to hurt them or you have to wait till you have a super missile but the last version of them are completely invulnerable until like when they're gray and then they'll try to do like these jump kick move and they turn yellow uh, that you only have to fight them one time where you can't get around them and that's on the way to the ridley fight that is my least favorite room in the entire game Mm. I hate fighting those two guys. I don't know mm. if there's a way to make them jump kick you easier. I just kind of had to fumble around till eventually they did it, and then you have to have a powered-up shot ready to do a powered-up plasma shot. That's the only thing that hurts them when they are vulnerable. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, I do not like that room. I think that's harder than every boss and every jump in the game is that one room. And I, I don't know if it's just me, because I hate it. No, they're, they're terrible. They're probably the worst enemies in the entire game. I... Yeah, I, I did. I'm the same as you. I, it's just something I never enjoyed. That that room was terrible to go through every single time. When it's on the way to, and there's no safe space after, uh, on the way to the the hardest boss fight in the game. So as yeah, you're, uh-huh. and, and that's the my only other complaint. Which again, for a game of this time and a Metroid game, this is a very minor complaint. Even the the newer Metroid games have this. Uh, feature i don't design choice where you have for some bosses in some areas a very long run or a difficult run from your last save spot to a boss and if you die to that boss which you're probably going to on the first time you fight any boss um you have to go back through it again and this game has two spots where that happens and one is the 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 way to uh the ridley fight it's not incredibly long but it has that room and so you know, for me, it was like if I got through that room with half my life, I was happy. And then I had to fight a really difficult boss. Uh, I don't think you can go back to the safe spot and, and have that room clear out. If you can, I'm a sucker because I didn't even think of it till just now. Uh, but still, it, it's that's one of the two areas. And the other one was on the way for me, at least on the way to Fantoon, the save spot before Fantoon, because the save station in the spaceship doesn't work until you defeat Fantoon is also quite a long run. And you have to get a lot of, of fairly careful jumps to get into the space station to start with because there's an area outside that is before you get the ability to jump well in the water that has water all over the bottom. And so if you miss one jump, you got to go all the way back. It's not incredibly hard, but it's one of those, if you make one mistake, you got to go all the way back to the beginning mm. and try again. And that, that, that's one of the two areas that I really had a problem with. You know, if I died to the boss, which I did several times, I had to... to force myself to trudge through a difficult area again and and that shouldn't be a major complaint and it's not because that that's every game i mean shoot again the original metroid you had to go from the start of a major map area to the boss every time so this is this is a minor complaint but those are definitely two of the areas especially those silver space pirates that just just were very difficult and i'm not gonna lie i use a save state uh for ridley this time but (laughs) that's the only place yeah that ridley broom by itself is such a kick in the face too because you need to get to ridley with everything you've got basically Mm -hmm. if you want to have a decent shot at him and you're just you you want to get to ridley that's what you're you're trying to do and you've got these super annoying space pirates that you can't just run up and kill you've got to be patient with them you've got to have a your shot charged you've got to be ready for them to do this 
and it's so annoying because it's it really breaks the the flow of just wanting to to get back to Ridley and and finish that fight and you're just sitting there just like oh my god I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. I mean, this is uh, I think we're so used to picking apart bad games <laughs> that when this is the most that we can complain about is it's it's pretty minor. Yeah, no. As a whole, this is. Uh, easily one of the best games that, that we've played for the podcast as far as great games. Uh, not not the most fun necessarily. I think some terrible games are more fun to play and talk about. But uh, as sure. far as a, a well-built game that I can I could probably play a million times uh, and, and enjoy every time, this is this is definitely one of the best games uh, that we've played. And, and hands down, I think the best in the series. Uh, this is the last of the traditional... I don't even know if it's traditional when there's only three games at that point. But the, the, the Metroid games were 2D metroid games and then this is the last of those after that they be, they switch over to prime or whatever those game boy um you know ds games were that weren't quite anything uh, a pinball game and like a multiplayer shooter and <laughs> but like like this is the last metroid game that i'd say is what i would call a metroid game other m has parts that feel like it but then other parts that are nothing at all like what they should be um but i, I don't understand why this would have been the last one in this in this kind of Metroid. I mean, the Primes are fun games on their own. I do like them, uh, but but they feel almost like different games completely. Well, we did get the the Game Boy Advance game. Um, God, what was it? Was it Metroid oh, Fusion? Oh, you're right. Metroid Fusion yeah. is, is another one mm-hmm. of the series. And then they did and, put out Zero Mission, which is a remake of the original, but, yes, but it's still yeah. a different enough remake, just like the uh, Samus Returns is a, is a remake of two, but it's so different that, that you could play both of those games and enjoy them. <laughs> you know, they, they have a little overlap, but they play so differently. I had forgotten about Fusion. Fusion also very good. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess it's because they're handhelds. Maybe that's why I forgot about those. Um, but but as far as you know, on the on the major systems, this was the last 2D Metroid. Because uh, again, Other M is this weird bastard half 2D, half 3D, and not made by a Nintendo. So I it it I don't hate it either, Billy. Actually, I, I did enjoy playing it start to finish. But there, are, oh, good. it is not. I enjoyed playing it once, start to finish. I have no interest in ever playing it again. Oh no, it's it's one and done. It, it's not like uh, I, it's not like this one that uh, you know I will. I, I know I'll play this one again. Uh, it's it's only a matter of time. Some years might go by, but I'll find myself popping this one in again to play. Uh, but yeah, the series uh, it went in. It tried some different directions. And hey, don't hate on the. Uh, the that pinball game that's a pretty strong one i've uh i've i've enjoyed that one for for quite some time now um but yeah the prime games i just i never really could latch hold of they're okay games i just i I, this is how i prefer my metroid maybe i'm a, a, a metroid purist stuck in his ways unable to change but i just i never thought it was a great translation uh, to, to first person uh, so yeah it, it's it's unfortunate that they didn't really come out with another like major Metroid entry in the series that that's but strictly like this um, and that's one of the reasons I was really enjoying uh, that shadow complex when I when I picked it back up because um, it's it's every bit as close to a Metroid game as as you can get as far as the the style um, and, and I'm going to continue playing that one. Uh, 
mostly because I've, I've, I've got a taste of this Metroid again, and I've, I've got to get a little bit more of it. And for me, I think, you know, it, I'm kind of the same way. I, I really enjoyed the first Prime just because it was neat to see Metroid put into a, a 3D environment like that. You know, that was kind of the, the thing mm-hmm. back in the day. Um, but, yeah, like, we never really got this kind of game again unless it was a portable experience and for me the only other thing that for me the the metroid sequel that i got was symphony of the night you mm. know that was that was the thing that scratched that met that super metroid itch for me and it still mm-hmm. does to this day that's i've said it many times on this podcast it's one of my favorite games of all time mm-hmm. but i still don't think it's as good a game it as as super metroid like i still enjoy i I love playing through something in the night all the time and i don't actually play through super metroid very much at all anymore but i still think super metroid is probably the better tighter game than what symphony of the night is and i don't know if we're ever going to get anything as good as super metroid again at least not on this podcast So yeah, unsurprisingly, Super Metroid, all of us enjoyed it. Uh, but I think we all knew that ahead of time. I think we even said it last episode. Uh, so not too shocking. Uh, because of Jeremy's situation, we're not 100% sure what we're doing next. Uh, it'll definitely be something that meets our, our criteria, but I don't know what that means uh, as of right now. So I guess everyone will find out in two weeks what our next game is. But for the first time in a while, we have a listener question. Yeah, and this question comes from Travis. And he would like to know what our most nostalgic game pickup or purchase was back when we were kids, as far as something that we remember now as grumpy old adults, mm. as something that we can still look back on and be like, man, that was that was a that was an amazing use of my money back in the mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. I think uh, for me personally, uh, not a game so much, but uh, what I picked up that original Game Boy. Uh, that was a, uh, you know, I had had systems up till then. You know, I had a, uh, had my Nintendo, my Master System. I had everything up to that point, um, but this was just something special. I I plucked down uh, for half of it uh, with some money I earned. So I mean, that made it kind of extra special there. Uh, and I was just I was blown away uh, that I was I was able to play these games. Uh, you know, they were kind of on Nintendo level in terms of length and, you know, and all that. And I, I was able to play them here and I could take it outside with me and I could, you know, I mean, because up till then, you know, I love my, my Tiger LCD games. But this was this was just something else. Uh, so I even put MC Hammer. I put the MC Hammer Tiger game away uh, because now I had this that I could take out and about. And I think about it now. I think about when I first got it. Uh, and, and just venturing out, you know, sitting outside, uh, laying around out in the grass, just playing on this Game Boy um, and just taking it everywhere. And that was one. That's a purchase I look back on. And I have so many fond memories uh, tied to that. Um, but, yeah, that is that is a purchase that that when the, the thought of it crosses my mind, uh, I smile over that one every time. This is actually tougher than I thought it would be because I have plenty of, of memories of buying games, but a lot of them are unfortunately of disappointment. Uh, but but mm-hmm. definitely I have a lot of memories of like, oh yeah, you know, I waited and saved all my money to, to go to the, the only place in town that sold the games was Radio Shack and I got, you know, whatever game they would sell, which they only had a handful of games and I got TNC Surf Designs, but that wasn't that great. But I was excited that I bought it. I, mean, I have plenty of, I got Gutcha the same exact way. Gutcha's a terrible game. <laughs> um, but, but all these games were like, I was so excited to get a game that, you know, 
that I remember all the the excitement, but then the letdown afterwards. All the birthday games I picked out that were not great. Now, we, we covered most of them actually on the show. Um, I, I think for me, and and this is uh, going to also tie into to somewhat current events, but it's going to Toys R Us and going to stare at the wall of tickets. Mm. And, mm. and looking cool. at all those games and being like, oh, man, I can't wait to get a game. And, and for me, the ones that were the most notable were after the Nintendo came out, but I didn't have one for a, a couple years. I don't think I got one until 87 or 88, but we still had the Intellivision and the terrible 7800 that sucked. But we had the Intellivision and they they had still been putting out games very, very slowly after after the crash, but not many. But we went to Toys R Us and they had a whole bunch on closeout. So they were like four ninety eight or something, and we had a handful of Intellivision tickets. And the guy, you know, went to the to the guy at the and they used to have that little booth at the end. After you paid for your ticket, you went to a booth, you gave the guy your ticket, and he would go find your game. And yeah, and, and the game cage that was my dream job it, when I was a kid. I cannot tell you how much. It, I mean, that that is I would have dreams about going into one of those <laughs> and just finding what was there that they either didn't have tickets for, or people took the tickets and didn't buy the game, so they had you know mm-hmm. four old sealed copies of Alex Kid Miracle World or whatever it was. I, I wanted so badly. Uh, and then later in life, I knew someone who worked at a Toys R Us, and I went there, and it was nowhere near as exciting as what I wanted. But uh-huh. it didn't matter because it was after that booth ceased to be. I'm sure if I would have gone ten years prior, I'd have gotten all my dreams fulfilled. But it was it was that it was going to Toys R Us, buying a handful of you know closeout in television games, including <laughs> one of the the worst, but yet most amazing. So they had the best version of Pac Man that I could play, at least compared to a to a Atari. So I got this amazing oh, version I- of Pac Man. And I got a, a game called Thunder Castle, which is actually one of the best games on the system. And then I got one of the shittiest ports of Commando anyone's ever played. But I was so excited <laughs> that Commando was on the Intellivision, because I had played it on, on Nintendo and loved it, uh, that I was determined to love it, even though it was not fun at all in any way, shape, or form. But it was it was just getting those... For me, that was like, I hadn't seen Intellivision games in stores at that point in, in two years. It, it was impossible to find so far. And all of a sudden, like, oh three new games for this system that I've just been playing the old games on because my parents won't buy me a new system. Oh, this is amazing. That was probably... And, and I still have all those carts, and I still have that system. I, that that was the other part. Is of all those things I bought, what are those things I still have? And and it's a handful of NES games, stuff that I bought when I was old enough where I, you know, like a Dreamcast, things like that. And then the Intellivision. I still have every one of my Intellivision games and that system because those were the games that that really were like the best pick up at random ever man you know if you would have went to toys r us over the last few weeks you probably got it snagged any other in television games they had laying around in the back i'm gonna be honest i did go to toys r us about two weeks ago getting excited about what would be left and the answer is nothing <laughs> nothing is left of any value at all it was a very very sad experience and then the stuff that was there like they had legos marked down but then the original price they had on them was way higher than they should be so i don't think they were really marked down at all uh but that's okay uh, Toys R Us is all now closed, so no one will ever get that experience of buying old television games at a Toys R Us. <laughs> Jeremy, what was your answer to this question? Uh, I, I mean, one of them actually was uh, doing that myself. I remember going to uh, Toys R Us, and one of the very first games I ever bought with my actual money was Contra or the NES, mm. and you know the whole thing of getting that ticket and going up to the game cage and everything like that. And it was magical when you were a kid. You know, that was just. That was amazing. Uh, but I guess I, the one that I remember the most was uh, I, I was in church one day and my great grandma just decided to randomly give me like I think it was like 60 bucks 
which, you know, back in the day of like 1990 or so was like handing a kid like a thousand dollars, basically. And I remember immediately after church, we went to Walmart and I went, I just, I gotten the Game Boy myself for Christmas that year. And I went over to the Game Boy case and I got a copy of Operation C, another mm. Contra game, because that's mm-hmm. apparently what I buy with my money. And then I went over to the cassettes and bought a, uh, a copy of uh, The Simpsons Sing the Blues. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you want to know the. I bet, you, I bet you were singing the fucking blues after you oh, listened man, to that thing. That was the most exciting day to have you know i i went i had enough money to go to walmart and get a game boy game and a cassette tape to listen mm. to and that was that was just one of the the best memories i, I ever as far as just buying something it, with money that i had it was obviously given to me but you know using my own money to walk up to the cash register and and be like i am so fucking rich that i can buy these two things at once uh, was was definitely an experience, and I'll never forget that. So if you have another question for us to answer on a future episode, please send it to us via Facebook, via Twitter, uh, even via Instagram, anywhere you can find us, at Retrovania.net. And we don't know what we're playing next, but we'll find out in two weeks, and we'll see you then.